0: Yeah, there's a few times where baseballs broke me in half. And, you know, you get back and you could do this or that. And for me it was go to the Lord. And, you know, I'm able to hang my head on that. And I come back the next day and I feel fresh, feel new again.
1: Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. When you feel broken and lost, and the life you wanted seems far from reach, there's someone you can turn to. God is just a prayer away. And no matter where you are or what life circumstance has laid you low, you can call his name. He listens. He cares. He's there for you always. Our guests this week have had times in their lives of complete brokenness, and they found that when they whispered a prayer up to heaven, peace, comfort, and restoration was never too far to follow. We're talking with baseball pitcher Daniel Ponce de Leon and musician and founder of Tipping Point Artist Wellness, Lanny West. Let's start with Daniel's story.
0: My name is Daniel Ponce de Leon and I'm from La California. I grew up there 18 years of my life until I went to college, bounced around at four different colleges, I ended up signing with the St. Louis Cardinals in 2014 and made it to the big leagues in 2018. Growing up in La California, I played three sports growing up. My dad coached me in most of them, uh, football, basketball, and baseball. And uh, my passion was always with football. I was a quarterback in high school, but as I was playing and going on, baseball seemed to be the future. Uh, More scouts came and watched me, and better offers came as a baseball player. My dad put me, I not only was playing Little League, but I was also uh, playing travel ball, and travel balls during football season, I did not like that, it was just too much for me and I wanted to just play football. And I told my dad I don't want to play anymore. And he said, just stick it out, you know, we'll just stick it to one time a, one time a year. And uh, that was way better for me and it gave me a clear mind. And uh, so I ended up getting a nice scholarship after my senior year in high school to University of Arizona. I had a bit of problems there. I only pitched three innings, did not get along there. And the coaches ended up cutting my scholarship that summer after that season. And that's when I had to transfer to Cypress Junior College in Southern California. I had a good season there and then ended up signing to University of Houston. And uh, the weekend was wide open to be a starter. So I went over there, started there and ended up getting drafted by the Chicago Cubs. And that year I wanted to sign and to go play some minor league baseball and um, ended up failing a physical before I even started. And the NCAA deemed me a professional, so I lost my amateur status. So then I had to transfer again to a different college and that ended up at Embry-Riddle, which is an NEI school at the time. And uh, that's where the St. Louis Cardinals found me. So since the start, you know, I've been up and down in the big leagues and minor leagues many of times. And um, there's a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Yeah, there's a few times where baseball's broke me in half. So, May 9, 2017, it was a day game, kids' day, and to get through the first inning, second inning comes around, and I'm facing Victor Caratini, he's a left-handed hitter, and my catcher, Rosario, asked for a fastball down away. So, at the time, I was throwing sinkers 2 seams, so the ball is supposed to go down and sink away from the hitter. Well, this one stayed straight. Caratini lined it right back up the middle, and I went to, like, turn out of the way, and I didn't get out of the way in time hit me right in the temple on my right side and uh, probably knocked me out for a few seconds. And But I do remember everyone running up and talking to me, my trainer standing there or kneeling over me and he's asking me questions about what's my name, what year is it, um, you know, simple questions that I'm able to answer. And I got them all correct, but the way I was answering it, he did not like. So he called over the ambulance and uh, they had the stretcher come over and they lifted me up and put me on. And I told him like, why are we doing this? You know, I'm I'm fine. Growing up, I, I played football. I've had stingers and kind of been knocked out-ish a bit. And you uh, you don't really understand how bad the injury is at the time. So during my injury, once I got into the ambulance, that's when I started to recognize like, you know what, this might be a little bit worse than I thought. And uh, once I get into the hospital, that's when my memory starts getting a little bit splotchy. And uh, I remember like throwing up on the nurses, them cutting my pants, and then one of the last memories of them shaving my head with some some not very good clippers. And then uh, after that, I'm sitting in bed talking to my dad. And then he's talking to me and I go right away, hey, can you come over here real quick and just pray over me? And he was like, me? I was like, yeah. You know, he came over me and hugged me and prayed over me. And I'll tell you what, that was um, that was very comforting having your dad pray over you. It made me feel like a kid again, you know, like my dad was over there shielding me for something. My injury was an epidural hematoma. It's a, a bleed between the membrane of the brain and the skull. So uh, they had to remove my skull, stop the bleed, and also relieve some pressure in my brain because my brain had shifted now. and. Um, If they didn't do that, then I would get some brain damage. Once that died down, they were able to put the skull back on, close me up, and uh, hoping that it wouldn't reswell, because if it were to reswell again, I would have significant disabilities, and um, thankfully it did not. And, um, you know, they were worried that I was going to die at first, and then after that, they were worried that I would be able to walk, talk, and eat again. So for a... Brain to recover is a lot different than having a rehab, an arm, a leg or something. So you could do exercises and stuff for that. As for a brain, you can't do anything besides rest. So the, the whole goal was to rest so my brain shift will go back to normal because I had about 8 millimeters shifted and I needed that to go back to normal before I even resume any sort of activity. So i go home and, you know, you don't really want to watch TV, you don't want to do this, so I spent a lot of time reading. My dad was a very big part in uh, teaching me the Word and every morning, you know, he was up reading so he would talk to me about it and I didn't really understand most of the things but, you know, later on in my life as I read the Bible, you know, all the words that he told me before now kind of like are coming together and I'm starting to understand it even more. Faith in my life now is uh, something essential. Uh, you know, I read daily. I have a daily reading that I follow. Like on uh, good days, bad days, I need God really, um, especially the bad days. Jesus calling, January fourth. I want you to learn a new habit. Try saying, "I trust you, Jesus," in response to whatever happens to you. If there is time, think about who I am in all my power and glory. Ponder also the depth and breadth of my love for you. This simple practice will help you see me in every situation, acknowledging my sovereign control over the universe. When you view events from this perspective through the light of my universal presence, fear loses its grip on you. Adverse circumstances become growth opportunities when you affirm your trust in me no matter what. The second part of the plan of recovery was to help my body heal itself so i started looking into that and what i found was that if your body's healthy it will be able to focus its attention on what needed to be healed so i started looking into like gut health and all all the sorts and um you know started drinking superfood greens taking some high level fish oil probiotics and all the sorts and it changed the whole diet and everything and and i was able to heal the brain in three months my shift was gone and Three, three months of the mark, I was able to, to resume activity in baseball and weightlifting. Near-death experience, that's what it took. It literally took a hit on the head, like, hey, I'm right here, you know, to God uh, said, hey, I'm here, you know, you need to get this right. And um, I believe the whole journey that uh, he put me through was different ways of God chasing me. You know, it says in the Bible, God will chase you like a dad chasing his son. You know, It's I'm going this direction, nope, go this way. I'm going this direction, nope, go this way. You know, and then still wasn't paying attention. He had me bouncing all these different colleges, still wasn't paying attention. So he finally said, you know, wham, wake up. Man, I'm awake. So with my first time back on the mound, as a pitcher, you have to be in attack mode. If you're on the mound and you're having these thoughts, these doubts in your mind, Bad stuff is going to happen, you know? That's when line drives start coming back up the middle and you're not convict, it's called conviction in your pitch. And I was able to pray and um, I asked him for some peace and calmness. And um, when I got out onto the mountain, that was what I would call one of the most peaceful games of my career. I don't know how or why, but there was like a calm over me and I was able to go out and nothing outside of me and the catcher phased me. It was just me and Yachty the whole time and it was a good day and was able to pitch seven innings, no hits, and I would tell you, I felt blessed at the time. And not only for myself, but it was kind of a reward for everyone that was around me, you know, from my dad, my mom, my sisters, my wife now, my kids, and even my agent, who I consider family, Brian Greaper. Um, You know, it was kind of, because they were all there all backing me up the whole entire time. And it was, it was nice, you know, it was nice to do it together, you know. I'm using my baseball talents to spread the gospel. And I'm able to talk with people and see their connection, their walk with God, and hopefully bring them closer, and hopefully just bring us all as a church closer.
1: You can find Daniel's book, One Live Drive, A Life-Threatening Injury, and A Faith-Fueled Comeback, wherever books are sold. Stay tuned to Lanny's story after a brief message
0: Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com.
1: Our next guest is former music executive and founder of Tipping Point Artist Wellness, Lanny West. Lanny had a rough start in life dealing with emotional, physical, and verbal abuse in a household that he describes as godless. That led to an early alcohol addiction that snowballed into other types of addictions fueled by his lifestyle in the music industry. Lanny eventually reached his breaking point when he remembers listening to contemporary Christian music in his kitchen, and God broke through his walls and began to heal his heart.
2: My name is Lanny West, and I am a number of things. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, a first of all, a disciple of Christ. I'm an author, a chef, entrepreneur, an encourager, a connector, a farmer, a beekeeper, a raccoon trapper, a father, and a husband. I'm the founder of Tipping Point Artist Wellness and also Bring It All to the Table Ministry, which we do out at our farm. You know, my growing up years were very... Tumultuous. I was born on an army base in Virginia. My birth father was in the military. I did not know him until later years. And um, you know, we moved around. My mother was married several times, and we lived in a godless, Bibleless household. My first experience with church as a family, we lived right across the street from the Methodist Church. And we went in and sat in, in this pew. And I remember exactly the left the left section of pews, the fourth pew. And we sat down as a family, and the ushers came over and moved us because that's where the this prominent family sat every Sunday. And so we were asked to move to another location. And, and that really didn't set well with me, even at a young age. And so I had a very skewed view of church and religion, and we, we rarely ever went to church, really never talked about any of that in our household. And in growing up, I was bullied a lot. I was sexually molested by an older boy that was the son of a close family of ours. I, I never said anything about it, I, I hid it away. You know, what dreams that I had were based around music. I, I was fortunate to be able to take piano lessons and I played every brass instrument in the high school band except the trombone and the French horn. And I gravitated to music via the radio. And I found that I was able to escape listening to the lyrics of these songs. And as many people uh, that are my age, the Beatles were certainly prominent, but I also listened to a lot of R&B music, the Staple Singers and Otis Redding and those kind of things. But the lyrics and songs helped me to be able to escape this tumultuous life that I was living and my mother was married several times and the people that she was married to the guys that she was married to were either physical abusers or mental abusers and it was just my home was not a place that I wanted to be so I got to escape in music and as I got a little bit older I gravitated to wanting to be a DJ and being on the radio to play that kind of music I started working at a radio station when I was in the 12th grade and it gave me the opportunity not to be at home and to do what I really liked doing was playing music. And I became quite good at picking hits in my later years. And so my dream was to escape the turmoil and the abuse you know, within my family. And I, I just was trying to figure out how the heck to get out of that mess because nothing was getting better and it even came to a head um, where I almost killed my stepfather. My mother stopped me from doing that or if if she hadn't I probably would be in prison today. But this guy was really a bad guy and a friend of mine and I decided to, to run away from home. So about age 17 we moved to Atlanta, lived in a house with 15 other people. And to make extra money, right after TBS, Ted Turner turned TBS on and they had a dance show, kind of like the Dick Clark dance show. And so we would go and get paid $25 a day to go dance. And that was just so exciting for me because it was part of music. But I had to escape. I had to get out of that. the craziness in my household and the abuse and the beatings that I would get on a regular basis. And I never, I never really looked back. My addiction started off with alcohol. My mother and stepfather, who was a doctor, they did social events at the house, a lot of parties. And my mother thought it was very cute and cool to have the boys. So it'd be me, my brother, and my younger stepbrother. And we would dress up in suits and wait tables and we would serve food and we would set the tables. And it was my mother showing off that we had some manners. And so at the end of these little parties, we would start clearing tables and taking things back to the kitchen. And so I I started sampling some of the leftover wines and alcohols that were there. And I started, it, it really made me feel good. And so it, progressed to the point where I started stealing bottles of liquor out of my parents' liquor cabinet, and I quickly found that in drowning myself in, in alcohol, I could escape what was going on for a, a brief period of time, and, and it made me a different person. It, it brought my personality out, and I became more of a show person, and by the time I was 15, 16 years old, I was an alcoholic. I was drinking every day. And how I didn't get caught and how I didn't kill somebody is only by the grace of God. I know that now. But it continued and increased with drinking and partying as I got older. And as I got deeper into the entertainment world and working in radio, cocaine became a big issue. In the 70s, cocaine was rampant in the music industry. We would go to conventions and go to these record company suites and they would just have piles of cocaine on the table so I spent 4 years of my life doing cocaine every day and not being able to stop and spending money that I didn't have on cocaine at the same time <clears throat> continuing drinking alcohol and then it led to taking speed and and other forms of, of drugs but I got to the point where I just I couldn't stop and and it made me a new person and so I felt like that I had to continue doing, drinking and doing these drugs because people expected me to be a certain way, this entertainer, this radio DJ. And so I just, I got hung up in it and I couldn't get out of it. The record company representatives would come to town and without exception, they all had cocaine with them. They all carried it an ounce at a time. We would sit around and do cocaine late in the evening and about three o'clock in the morning in order to go to sleep i would smoke pot and take nyquil and then get back up in the morning and start it all over again and i tried many times to just to stop it but it didn't happen i remember clearly one time my sinuses were so infected and so clogged up that as i was driving into the trailer park that i lived in at the time i threw about an ounce of cocaine out of the window of the car and swore that i was never going to do it again and And I got up the next morning to head into work and got out and went into the bushes and found the cocaine again and just started it all over again. It just takes over and it consumes you. And it's so difficult to stop that. And fortunately, I never did anything like heroin or any of those types of drugs, but the addiction and the allure of doing these drugs and drinking is just beyond being able to control it. I continued drinking until 4 years ago uh, on a very regular basis but cocaine was a getting too expensive b very dangerous to do it and c it was killing me and I was doing things that I really became embarrassed that I was doing so cocaine was the first thing that that I shoved aside and Fortunately, I did not have to go to any kind of rehabilitation center, rehab. I just I quit. And again, I look back on my life and even though I didn't know my real father, there was a father that was watching out for me. And I look back on all these experiences and know that Jesus Christ was had his hand in in saving me. And so when I decided to quit doing cocaine, I just I quit. And it was Oh many years later, so that would have been in the 80s. And then I would say four years ago, I gave my life to Christ through some great circumstances and in realizing that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and I was really messing things up. You know I'd gotten into some uh, into pornography addiction at the same time and I just made the decision that I had to stop that I was not doing anything good for me or my wife. And so I quit. And fortunately, again, I didn't have to go to any kind of rehab program or AA. You know, with the help of Christ, I was able to stop. I don't miss having a cocktail. I don't miss drinking. I don't miss cocaine. I don't miss any of that because I'm filled with God's spirit. And that's the most important thing in my life right now. You know, I started exploring the Bible. I started exploring spending time by myself at the farm, uh, being quiet, listening, knowing that He is God, and and asking for Him to come into my life. And and it was kind of—I I don't want to say it's funny—but um, I kept asking Don. I said, "Okay, look, I'm asking. I'm listening." What's going to happen? Am I going to start turning cartwheels down the Walmart aisle? Am I going to fall on the floor and, you know, some big revelation going to happen? What do I expect from God in this journey if I'm giving him this, my heart and so forth? And uh, my brother-in-law's name is Don. And he said, it was very simple. He said, Lanny, just listen. Now that rang so true because all of my life I have spent time listening to music and the lyrics intervening in my life. And so in 2017, August 10th, I was in our kitchen. I love cooking and I do a lot of cooking. And for whatever reason, I got this notion to listen to contemporary Christian music. I have, Amy Grant is the only contemporary Christian artist that I knew, so I go to my iTunes thing and I look up contemporary Christian music and it gave me these compilation Uh, CDs or whatever, and I knew none of the artists. So I'm back cooking, and I'm listening, and we get five songs into this compilation, and this song comes on, and the lyrics, it it was the most amazing thing ever, and I got chills right now thinking about it. The Holy Spirit grabbed me. I fell to the floor. I was, I was a puddle of just a mess as this song was playing and I couldn't get up off the floor. I was crying and listening to this song and the lyrics, the song is, God, you don't need me, but oh, how you want me. I may start crying here, just saying the lyrics to this song. I must have played that song 20 times, and I went into my computer and immediately wrote an email to my brother-in-law, Don, and told him what had happened. And so I didn't say anything to Leslie. Our guests came over. We had dinner. They left, and we're sitting at the table, and Leslie says, Lanny, are you okay? And I said, yes. She said, there's something different about you. And so we both started crying and i told her the story of what had happened and it was just the most amazing thing and i knew at that moment that the the spirit had entered me and that god had finally finally shaken me to the point where i realized that i could not go on in my life without him the father that i never had to be in my life and that's the story it's amazing Being out at this farm is 40 acres of some of the most beautiful land in Tennessee. I just look around and I see what God has created, and I'm closer to Him by being here with this energy. And while we put the money up for this place, we don't own the farm. God has asked me to be the steward of this property, and He guided me here not because I'm a farmer. We do grow some organic stuff and we've got fruit trees and so forth. But I'm not a farmer by trade. But I realize now that what my walk and my path is, is to harvest souls. And that this becomes a place for people that need discovery, that need to get closer to God, that need to build their relationship, strengthen their relationship, or come to a relationship with God. They can find that here at the farm. So, I spend every day working with our animals outside, the bees that we've got, and really working on the men's ministry here, which is going to roll into a couple's ministry and then building on doing songwriter retreats here, which we do at the farm. So this is a place that God brought me to, to help me discover Him in His fullness and also to share that with other people. Spending time with God on a daily basis is something that I have come to appreciate and love. I hope at age 69, I hope that I live a more fruitful life or live a little bit longer so I can share this with other people. And I think that's what God's desire is for me to do. But I look back and I go, man, oh man, what a dummy and how you missed this opportunity in your life. But I'm I'm gonna take advantage of it every every minute, every minute of the way. So I study every day. We read devotion, we read Jesus' calling in the morning while we're having coffee in bed and some other devotions. And that is really all I want to do. And with my life, all I wanna do is bring glory to God. That is why He put us here. That's why He wants us on this earth. That's why we are His children. One of the really important Jesus callings comes from June 20th. I speak to you continually. My nature is to communicate, though not always in words. I fling glorious sunsets across the sky, day after day after day. I speak in the faces and voices of loved ones. I caress you with a gentle breeze that refreshes and delights you. I speak softly in the depths of your spirit where I have taken up residence. You can find me in each moment when you have eyes that see and ears that hear. Ask my spirit to sharpen your spiritual eyesight and hearing. I rejoice each time you discover my presence. Practice looking and listening for me during quiet intervals. Gradually, you will find me in more and more of your moments. You will seek me and find me when you seek me above all else. This passage is so strong for where I am in my walk with Christ and my time here at the farm. Everywhere I look, I see the creation that God put here. And he did that for me as long as I seek him and seek him above all else. So this passage was so poignant and timely for me At the farm.
1: To learn more about Lanny and his work, please visit tippingpt.coach. And be sure to check out his latest book, Father, Son, and the Unholy Road The Dark, Twisted Truth of My Journey from Cocaine to Christ, at your favorite retailer. If you'd like to hear more stories about turning to God when you're feeling broken, check out our interview with Holly Hayes. Next time on the Jesus Calling podcast, we hear from Florence Larue, a former member of the Grammy winning group Fifth Dimension. She talks about the competitive music industry and how she worked to become the kind of friend that supported her fellow musicians.
0: Now, I know that we have to support each other and to be to be happy for others when they're happy, sad when they're sad. That's what true friendship is. That's what true love is. That you support each other and you don't envy someone for going out and having a bigger career than you have. That's part of the growth.
1: Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by A Closer Walk with God? Then subscribe today to The Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Jesus Calling Book, on Facebook, and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.